Welcome to Sugar Hill Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Two weeks from today, we will join here in a worship center at Sugar Hill Church at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. as we open the doors again and invite you all to be a part of our Sunday morning programming. I can't wait. But today, welcome to September and a new series entitled Next. Every human I know has a next. We, we all have something that we have to move from and move to. Now, there are some things that next comes with that literally are things that are forced on us. Well, you have to do this. But the vast majority of things in our life that matter deeply are those things that we choose to do next. Now, uh, Counseling 101 taught me one big lesson, and that is this. Nothing changes until something changes. Counseling 101 taught me a second thing as well. And the second thing is this. We don't need to spend so much time worrying about the eighth thing that we need to do. We need to focus on the next thing that we need to do. If you're in a struggling marriage, the question is, what is your next thing? If you're parenting, what is the next thing? If you are recently retired, what is the next thing? If you've been laid off or furloughed during COVID-19, what's the next thing? If you're financially facing bankruptcy, what is the next right thing? Well, God has a plan for what is our next. The question is, how much of God do we want to determine our next? Now, the answer to that is pretty simple. And that is this, how much good do you want to do, both for you, for your family, and for the world? Now you say, well, Chuck, that sounds just a little, that sounds a little churchy. I mean, the whole doing good concept. Well, every good step that God has for you that is next, watch this now, is based on his character. His character is proven in his word. His character is proven in his history. And his character is fulfilled in our lives. But that is a choice when you decide what is next. So I want us today to start off with a short verse from Psalm 92. Now, as you launch this series entitled Next, it really is important for you to stop worrying about a year from now, just for a bit. Stop worrying about a month from now, just for a bit. And let's start by thinking about what is my very next thing in each phase of your life. But predominantly today, knowing that everybody has a next, The question might be, what is the next thing you need to do to advance your life towards success, peace, happiness, joy, fulfillment, contentment? What could happen in your marriage if you chose the right next? What might happen in your family or your career if you chose the right next? But before I read this short verse, could we settle this one thing? I think we would all agree, but I'd love for you to just stop for a minute and get this into your head that all of us must choose whatever the next thing is. Or more appropriately, what's the next right thing? Friend, listen to me. When we get this in our head and our heart, and we choose to move our life forward in making the next right choice, life will radically change for us. Because what's done is done, what's gone is gone. And one of life's lessons is always moving on. It's okay to look back to see how far you've come, but you must keep moving forward. 
To stop is to die. To stop and not continue is to surrender. But friend, listen, the greatest way for you to just roll over and say, I'm done with all of life. I don't want what's better. I don't want what's best is to stop and quit. We have to keep moving forward. It's time for many of us, including me. Oh, and by the way, our church to hit a reset button. Whatever happened yesterday, learn from it and grow through it. Get a new perspective and move from it. Today, this is a new day. Today, this is your fresh start. Your next begins now. Psalm 92, verse 13. Listen to what the scripture says. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Now think about that. The text is talking about us. We can be transplanted to the Lord's own house and flourish in the courts of our God. Now the text here is clear. It says they are, or better, those who are. Say the next word out loud with me, transplanted. This is good. In many ways, when we open two weeks from today on September 20th, we are transplanting our church, just like we need to transplant our lives. Where? In the courts of our God. When we allow, our, we allow ourselves to be planted into the fertile soil of God's richness, then everything he has allows us to flourish in his court. Now, to flourish in his court means more than just to flourish as you grow as a plant. It is to flourish inside the world's most beautiful garden. Do you get the picture? You're in the court of God. Can you imagine the beauty found there? Think of the most beautiful gardens you've ever seen. And when you go to that garden, what you see is something that's pristine, something that's beautiful, something that's alive, and something that brings joy. This is what God has for you when we, when we choose to be transplanted into his court. You know, there's a place in America, the hottest, driest place in America is called Death Valley. Now, I'm not talking about LSU or Clemson for you football fanatics. I'm talking about the real Death Valley. It is a place where nothing grows. Now, nothing grows there, not because of a lack of sunshine. There's scorching sunshine, but there's no, there's no water, there's no rain. Well, where there is no water, then something doesn't grow, and it just remains dead. Now, it's, it's a cool place to go, but you don't want to stay there for long. It's, it's death. It, it's it's completely dry. Well, uh, what happened, though, was an interesting thing. In the winter of 2004, they had this massive rainstorm that happened in Death Valley. An inch upon inch of rain fell in a short period of time in Death Valley. And over the next two or three weeks, the most amazing thing happened. They flourished. There was greenery and there were flowers everywhere. And so scientists were amazed what could have caused this in Death Valley? Well, you could say, well, the sun, true. The rain, true. But they really found out the purpose was that just underneath the surface of that ground, seeds that were fertile and were ready to bust forth. Death Valley wasn't dead. Death Valley was dormant. I believe that's true for a lot of us. We're just walking through life. We're dormant. We don't experience the ability to flourish in God's courts. And I want you to experience your next best by experiencing what it is like to be transplanted into the rich, 
fertile valley of God's courts so that you could experience the beauty and the joy of all he has for you. Now, the big idea is this, and I want you to catch this, that you are somewhere on a spiritual continuum right now. Let's just say over here is you don't know God from apple butter. And over here, you walk with God moment by moment. Somewhere between here and here on this continuum, we stand individually. We don't stand as a church. We don't stand as a family. We don't stand as a couple. We stand in eventually. And somewhere during this sermon today, I'm hoping that you can discover exactly where you stand, where you are spiritually, because your next best is always according to God's character, God's word, and God's direction for your life. It's going to require obedience for you to take your next best because your life is supposed to flourish. After one of the longest sermon intros of all time, let me jump into our next text. In Psalm 16, verse 11, the Bible says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. This is one of the greatest revelations of my life. God himself says that he is going to show me the path of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Come on, does it get any better than that? In other words, when I see the path and I know the journey, there's going to be joy in the presence and pleasure of being with God. Now, what I contend is that most people kind of know the potentials out there, but they don't know what the journey is. God has always wanted basically four things for you. And now in every place they're mentioned, they're a little different. So they're said in a little different way, but the gist is the same. You see, when we look at this and we recognize and understand what God wants, we can break down one piece of scripture and help us get there. And that one piece of scripture happens in the book of Ephesians and chapter one, starting in verse 16. Listen to what the text says. I have not stopped thanking God for you. That's what Paul said. I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Today, watching, wherever you might be, I just wish you could have spiritual wisdom and insight. That's what Paul said he's praying for. He's praying for the Ephesians, just as Jesus is praying for you, that you might have wisdom and spiritual insight. And now Paul mentions these four things, so that, number one, you might know God. And he used a word there that doesn't shock you because no one probably reacted when I said know God. Well, before we take a break, I want to unpack that little concept of knowing God. It may not have meant anything to you because if you've been in church, you've heard it all your life. But Paul uses a word literally there in the Greek that means to know God intimately, personally, up close, hand in hand, sitting in his lap, riding in vacation together, that kind of knowledge. Well, he wants to know that this isn't what we're supposed to chase after in religion. As a matter of fact, that kind of knowledge of God is completely foreign to religious people of the day because God was always this religion. It was always this tradition. But he actually used the same word. He actually used the same word where a man knows his wife and they have babies. Not a sexual term, an intimate term. It's a term that you have to get way beyond knowing him right here 
and you've got to get to know him personally in relation. And everybody went, I had no idea I could do that, Chuck. I wish you could just get to know God a little bit better. Friend, let's take a break, worship for a minute. We're going to come back and unpack how we do that in just a moment. Zach, take it away. As we consider what's next for the church and and for us as followers of Jesus, we choose to respond in obedience and praise to him. Will you sing this with us? Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy and all my days. Oh, yes, I will.
Thanks, Zach. What a beautiful song. In our first half today, we talked about what it is to determine our next step. And Paul makes a case in Ephesians that our next step is to learn how to grow in wisdom and how we grow with spiritual insight. This is what happens when we get to know God intimately. I want to invite you to join me this Wednesday night at 7 p.m., where I'm going to go live and give you four things that can help you grow in wisdom and spiritual insight to help you determine your next best step. What is your next? I hope you'll join me at live.sugarhill.church or on our Facebook Live page. But right now, let's get back to the second point. Paul says in verse 18, he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, this is the second step in the spiritual journey of next. And Paul actually says, I just wish, he says, I wish the eyes of your heart were, as the message says, focused and clear. Paul's making a point that all of us need to realize. All of us have to grasp this next. Every single one of us are looking at life through the lens of everything that's happened to you up to this point. So no matter what you've experienced in the past, mom and dad had a brutal divorce, uh, maybe, maybe you were abused as a child, maybe high school was brutal on you, maybe you didn't make that team, or whatever was going on that gave you your you from now, all of those things we see through that lens, and we see life through that lens. All of us look through the lens of our past, of our pain, and our problems. That's how we see life. And by the way, we all do it. This isn't just you, it's not just me. We all do this. We're all seeing through the lens. And Paul said, once you know God intimately, once you know God personally, once you know him up close, then you can have a powerful relationship with him. And he says, I wish you could understand how important it is to take this second step. Paul's saying, if you could just grasp, if you could just try this, if you could just wrap your head about giving God this one week this first week of next, so that you might have the opportunity to get your journey off to the next right next, then your heart could be right where your heart could be healed. You see, this is the beauty of knowing God, that when our heart gets right toward him, our heart gets healed. I don't know about you, but man, America needs their heart to be healed, not to be screamed at or fussed at or not to have rocks thrown at them. Most certainly we need our heart healed. Listen, all of us that are watching this broadcast today, we're seeing the exact same thing and all of us are seeing it differently based on what's happened to us up to this point. And too often we allow that to dictate our life. But Paul says, I just wish you could see how important that is. Then he says, so that you can understand the confident hope God has given to those he's called, his holy people who are rich in in inglorious inheritance. In other words, you can't even go to the next one until you've done these first two. I wish you could understand how important it is to have an intimate, powerful, personal relationship with God. This is what Paul says. And then once you know him, you could have the power to get your heart right, to be clean and pure and working so much better so that, watch this, so that you can understand the confident hope he has called you to. Come stinking on. He has this confident hope. I don't know about you, but I read this week that most Americans do not see tomorrow as being a brighter day than today. That is frightening. 
I woke up this morning with a confident hope that today would be far better than yesterday and yet not nearly as great as tomorrow. Listen to what he says. For every single one of us, all of us, as a part of our next is to realize that God has created you on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose so that you cannot see if you don't do the next two things, right? So it's virtually impossible to see the plan that God has for you in the future if you're still spending time looking in the rearview mirror. You cannot see your tomorrow if your glasses are still covered with the smudge and the dirt of yesterday. So some of us have even wondered, why do I not know what God's purpose and plan is for my life? It's because you've never done the second step, getting your heart clear and setting the pain of yesterday aside so you can see the promise of tomorrow. Once you do, I wish you might know the hope which he's called you to. He's called you and notice hope and calling are connected. Hope for tomorrow is found in his calling on your life. I know this about every single next. Every single next includes obedience to God. Every single great next involves serving others. Every great next is chasing after what God's character desire is in your life. The word hope and the word calling are intrinsically connected. In other words, if you want to find hope, you're not going to find it circumstantially. You're not going to find it in just any book. You're never going to find it where it just happens out of the blue. You find it knowing why that God has you on this planet. So once you know that you're here on purpose for a purpose, there's a source of hope. That's a powerful truth. So many folks are looking for hope. And you know what? They know that it can be found not in family or friends or a better relationship or a better 401k, but in the next best God has for you. And we find it in his character, in his word, and in his promise for you. It's found in knowing that you're here on purpose for a purpose so you can flourish. Friend, listen, you can't do the second one without doing the first one. You can't do the third one until you do the second one. This is the beauty of next. You just take one, two, three, four, and you keep moving so that you might know that you are wealthy, you are rich, and his glorious inheritance. Listen, it's not, God's not just saying, hey, you're going to have a feel-good feeling. God's not just saying, I'm going to have a better day. He's saying, I'm going to give you all my riches and my glorious inheritance. He's going to open up the treasure vault of heaven of goodness and joy and peace and happiness. And he's going to unpack all of that for you when we do these things to realize you have an inheritance and watch this, that it's yours, that you're the one. We're not just going to all line up and we just divvy it out evenly. This is the beauty of God's supernatural power that you get all of his, that you have an inheritance and it is enjoyed individually and it's enjoyed in the kingdom of God. So you might say, well, what kind of inheritance? Where the Bible makes it super clear. Psalm chapter two, verse seven says this. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. That's God. God's saying to you, if you choose me through a relationship in my son, Jesus, you become my kid. How many times have you heard somebody somewhere on television or at a conference somewhere say, we're all God's children. 
Okay, we were all created by God, yes. We were all created equally by God, yes. But we are God's children because we chose Jesus as our Savior. You say, well, Chuck, aren't we all going to arrive at the same place just we're just to go there different? No. We all arrive where Jesus takes us when we choose him. You see, when we see that, verse 8 says, only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth, is your possession. Get fired up. Come on. God says, I'm going to give you everything. I'm so passionate about trying to help you find out what your next is. I just can't stand it. This whole month, we're focusing on helping you figure out your next next. Don't forget Wednesday night at seven. A lost, a dying, and unchurched world doesn't want to build or rebuild or plant or replant a church. Listen, folks don't want to talk Christian talk to try to figure out how to know God. Everybody has an area of life that they need to find freedom. And our job isn't to talk Christianese, but to help people find freedom in Christ. This week, who are you going to help find freedom in Christ? But you can't do that unless you're experiencing freedom in Christ. We got to know God intimately. Yes, we do. We've got to lay claim to his promise. We've got to claim that inheritance. We all know there's got to be a purpose in this life. I mean, we all know that this is what we're here to do. He's already done so many things for you. But watch this. Science and secular sociologists have proven that the highest need that can be met in the human heart is to live your life in such a way where your life is making a difference. Science and sociology come together with the truth of God's will for your life. They say the highest, the greatest, lay their head down at night knowing that you lived your life well and when you did something for someone else. In fact, they thought for years that the highest level that could be met in a human heart was when you win. But when you make all the money you want or when all the things you want, you have a job or a family. But after all the study, science and sociology And God's word came perfectly together and said, no, wait a minute. This is what sociologists call transcendence. Deep down inside, you know you're called to make a difference. Somewhere, with someone, somehow, some way. We know that's true for all of us. That's why I love being a part of this church. There's always a next way to serve God and to serve God's creation. Let's find out where you are. Because the first step in the spiritual journey is to know God. And remember, I'm talking about intimately and personally. That's a big deal because when I was raised in church, I've actually literally been in church for 60 years and I'm 60 years old. I can remember at nine years old in my tradition, I walked an aisle. That's what you did. You walked an aisle. And, you know, the preacher stood in front at the end of the message. He'd call you to an altar call. And then I got baptized. And I thought, man, that's what a Christian did. They walked an aisle. But you know what I learned is it's not about attending a church. And this is far more than trying to be religious or trying to be good. This relationship about knowing God is both attainable and joyful. Getting to know God isn't like going to the principal's office. Getting to know God is to know the single greatest asset and greatest friend that you'll ever have in the world. The one that will never leave you. Are you ready for that? It's, it's that secret that you've not told anyone else, maybe. You see, to know God personally means you've got to confess your sin and get cleaned up. 
Say, Chuck, I was with you until this. I knew sooner or later you're going to hit me with a preacher line. You got, you got to confess. Well, confession is this simple. God, I am really sorry. I want to confess before you, even though you already know it, that hidden sin in my life, that one thing I can't get of, that addiction that nobody knows about. Friend, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is there's a solution to whatever your problem is. The bad news is it's not just... It's not just that God set in motion a way for you to find freedom and you may, may not have ever known this, but it's found in James chapter 5, verse 16. This is where it gets to be tough and this is why it takes a courageous life to choose the next best thing that God has for you. Listen to what it says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So you go to God for forgiveness, but you also go to God's people to confess for healing. You say, well, wait a minute. I I don't want to take that mask off. I want to come to church and play. I, I want to come to church and look holy. I want to come to church and look righteous. Chuck, I don't want to have to fess up. Do you know how embarrassing it would be if I came and fessed up? Do you know how terrible it would be to not be able to take the next step that God has for your life because you simply have so much pride you couldn't confess that? Wow. Listen, friend, if you want the very best next, confession is a part of the deal. You come to God and confess it, and maybe with just a a, a close friend, you sit down and say, would you help hold me accountable in this area? Let me tell you what's going to happen. When you do that, they're not going to go, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were such a horrible person. That's not going to happen. You know what they're going to say? Wow, me too. I thought I was the only one. Why not be the one that instigates your next best and their next best? And here's what I would say to do. Listen, get involved in a group around Sugar Hill Church. Get involved in a Bible study. I promise you, you're not going to grow without it. And you know what? You don't want just any group. You want a group that you can build a relationship, that you can actually talk about things that matter. Not that you've got one talking head that's just going to unpack wisdom, but somebody you can do life with. There are choices everywhere this fall for you to join. You can do them live. You can do them online. You can do a combo. But whatever you do, get you and your kids in groups. I encourage everyone. Your next step is to make a choice to get in a group and get God's word flowing in your life every single day. We make that so easy for you. We have groups online, groups live, groups for preschoolers, elementary schoolers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults, senior adults, and everything in between. And we also feed you every day the weekdaypodcast.com. Give you a little scripture and a little hope, a little cup of encouragement Monday through Friday. According to one study in America, folks, 87% of the body of Christ doesn't know what they're here to do. That's frightening. If my hand doesn't know, pick up a fork and feed me, I might look trimmer next week, but I wouldn't be healthy. Well, you know what? So many of us don't understand that we have a function in the body of Christ. We're a hand or we're a foot or we're a kneecap, but we all have a function inside this body. I want to encourage you over the next few Wednesday nights, we're going to help you determine. This coming Wednesday, we're going to talk about four things you can choose your next best with. The following, I want to walk you through spiritual gifts and how you can discover yours. Every one of you has something that God's designed before time that you're good at and he wants you to accomplish. 
You know, I, I remember this and I'll close with a story. I can remember when I was a little boy, uh, I, I went, I'd spend summers with my pop in Daytona Beach, Florida, and he had a neighbor that uh, was kind of a funny character, fished with us sometimes, but uh, one evening my pop and my mom, mama had to go somewhere, and so I stayed with my neighbor, and he chose to take about a 10-year-old boy to a dog track. What in the world? But I go to this dog track, and uh, I, I watch these dogs, these greyhounds, get in line, you know, and then this mechanical rabbit goes around the track, and the dogs chase the rabbit. Well, I watched it, I didn't think anything about it until I read a story a couple of years ago by a guy named Chris Hodges. He went to a dog track one time and the mechanical dog stopped halfway through the first turn. And all those dogs, they just did one of three things. A, they stopped and they sat down and they just quit. Or they kind of went crazy and they ran off the course and ran even up into the crowd. The third group actually tried to tear their way through the fence and actually hurt themselves. You know, the problem is some of us here in 2020 in our own humanity, we're not chasing the right thing. We're chasing something that's mechanical. And it sooner or later is going to stop. And we might find ourselves in one of three positions. We might just stop and quit. We might just run off the track. We might actually hurt ourselves. You know, there's a lesson to be learned by these dogs. If you want your life to be wildly successful, we've got to go on a pursuit of the purpose that God has for you. You can do this final thing. You can do this. Listen to what James chapter 15 says. This is, to, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It sounds demanding right there, but, but it's like, okay, go help some people. But watch what he says next. I've told you this. So a bunch of people will get blessed. I've told you this because... That's what I want you to do. No, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you. Not, not, not for what we think is great or good, but what my joy is for you. God has a joy for you. Listen, we need you. The church needs you. Lost people need you. Unchurched families need you. Make a difference. Choose right now to make your next best step and make a difference. Are you really going to go another week without really knowing God? You want to hang on to that pain or that sin or, or maybe that habit. Really? You want to hang on to it one more time for what? For more of the same? To just live your life the way you have? Or maybe hang on to another month really just for the same old? You're not going to discover the second greatest day of your life? C.S. Lewis was right. Man, I'm telling you, second greatest day in life, the first one being you're born, the second one when you figure out why you're born. Listen to me, folks. Take your next step. Take your next step. Take a step today. God has so much more for you. You're supposed to flourish. Come on. You're supposed to bloom. Let's go. Let's do this. Wherever you might be, just pray with me right now. Just pray right there where you're at. Father, I pray. God, I pray for courage and for boldness. I pray, God, for the clarity that these folks might have to take your next best step for them. For some of them, that they might choose you. Jesus, call on your name. I pray they do that right now. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus. For some of you who've been a Christian for 30 years, what I want to ask you to is call on God's name that he would give you the next right step so that you might know him intimately, that you might flourish in his inheritance, that you might know your purpose, and that you may never grow weary in doing good. 
Friend, listen, there are so many of you that are listening or watching right now, and you need to make the first step. Listen, friend, Jesus isn't afraid to forgive you. He can't wait to forgive you. And God's not mad at you. God's madly in love with you. And when you look at all of this, I want you to know, for some of you are saying, well, Chuck, I'm ready to surrender because I can't do my past anymore. I'm tired of living up to my past. I'm, tr- I'm tired of not reaching my potential. I'm tired of being like Death Valley and knowing that there's, there's potential under the surface. But Chuck, I'm ready to make a next step and make a new day and move in a new way. Well, then today's your day, my friend. Today's your day. Finish this prayer that we started. God, today, step into my life. Clean me up. Make me new. Give me with clarity my next step to follow you. To get in your word to love you more and to trust you with all I have. And be clear, God, what my next step is as I confess my sin before you and I confess my sin before others so that I can move forward and leave my past behind. Friend, listen, if that's your choice today, shoot us a note, let us know at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. I would love to know that you've chosen your next best step and I'll see you Wednesday night at seven for four ways to determine what that is but for now I pray you'd let this Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight that you'd let him go within you and bring you peace and joy fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved and that you might let let him come by and when he sees you in, in difficult and dark days As he bends over, hop on his back and let him carry you through the middle of whatever the problem is, only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you as you hear your Savior say, my child, I love you. Go in peace. Wow, what an incredible day and what an awesome start to this brand new series, What's Next? We are so excited about this series and that this series is gonna carry us into when we regather. So as you know, by now, we're gonna regather right here in our building on September 20th. You can find out all about our regathering plans at sugarhill.church slash regather. As always, if there's anything that we can join you in praying for, shoot us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. We would love to partner with you in praying for anything going on in your life. Y'all, it was an incredible day, and I am so grateful that you chose to spend this time with us. We can't wait to see you in just two weeks right here in this room. I hope you have a great week, a great holiday weekend. God bless you. Go in peace.